Hey, what up? It's Mark Carter. I'm the pastor of Fierce Church. Welcome to our podcast. I'm so pumped that you're able to join us today. I hope this encourages you, inspires you, strengthens you, gives you hope to keep pressing on. And it's my prayer that this sermon gives you a more expansive view of God's love for you. Enjoy the message. Hey guys, for real, welcome back to the Strangers Here series. What's up everybody online? Hey, we're glad that you're here. Thanks for tuning in. I wanna talk to you today about rejection. Everybody knows what it's like to feel rejected. We've all been rejected. Probably it was very early on when you were young. Somebody didn't include you. Somebody didn't pick you. Somebody said something to you that made you feel less than. Sometimes somebody meant to do that. Other times it just kind of happened. But every one of us knows what it's like to feel rejected. And today, one of the most important things I want to share about rejection is that it's so important that despite how you feel rejected, that you keep going. See, rejection wants to shut us down. Rejection, kind of the message is stop. The message is, you know, is this really worth it? You don't need to keep doing this. Why don't you just set out? And, and rejection can kind of even mess with our own self-concept because we're getting messages from outside of us maybe that are saying, hey man, you're, you know, that, that's too much or, or we don't need you. And if we start to think a lot of people agree about that, they're like, well, maybe I am too much. Maybe I'm not necessary here. Maybe nobody does want me around. And so I want to talk to you today about leveraging rejection because we all know this at the end of the day. There's no getting around rejection. Rejection is going to happen. So the question isn't, is it going to happen? It's how can we leverage it? Maybe you, you were part of a work team and you're like, I've got some really important wisdom that I want to share, but nobody received it. Maybe you had some things that you wanted to share about yourself with your family and you thought that they'd kind of be all in and they were like, oh, okay. You know, and they didn't really like buy in the way that you thought that they would. <clears throat> Maybe you were you know, part of a sports team. And you said, I really, maybe you're, you're a Christ follower. And you were like, oh, I want to really like shine my light for Jesus. And yet people kind of received that weird. It was like, oh, what is this? What's all this God stuff? What are you, what are you doing? And there was a sense of like, well, if I step out, I'm liable to get hit and I'm liable to get hurt. Maybe there's all kinds of stuff that went down as you started to follow Christ, maybe a little bit like me. See, when I first started to follow Christ, I was 18 years old. I had grown up in a, I would just call it kind of Christianish home with some of the message, but I personally did not understand a personal relationship with Jesus Christ. And so when I did understand one and I felt like, wow, God would speak to me through the Bible and I sensed his personal love and forgiveness of me, like that was a game changer. But I was also a very, I'm still a very black and white kind of a guy. And I'm a little bit intense sometimes. And so I would walk into situations and I'd be like, how about this? And, you know, just like crickets or like, uh-huh. You know, and people just, they didn't always know how to respond to me. And especially as a young, younger guy, I didn't know how to respond to them responding to me in wrong or awkward ways. And so there were a lot of messages for me about like, hey man, look, look, just you're strange or you're weird or you need to like settle down. And I didn't know it at the time, but it was so important that I kept going. See, part of it is there's just a natural maturing process that has to come, but even more important for today, there are certain rejections that we must live and grow through in order for God to really, and he wants to do this for everybody, he actually wants to use us to manifest a version of the life of Jesus. And Jesus was rejected. That's just how it goes. Now, now, sometimes God is protecting us with rejection. 
Okay, let's just talk about some of the benefits of rejection. Sometimes there's somebody you maybe want to be accepted by, but it's actually not in your best interest to be accepted by them. Think about King David. Some of you remember King David's story. King David is the, or, or he's not yet king. He's the son-in-law of King Saul. And, you know, he's looking at Saul and Saul, dude, Saul's a whack job murderer. Like any, any son-in-law wants to be most of the time accepted by their father-in-law. And if, let's just imagine, what if Saul would have really taken David under his arm? and really would have taught David some of his crazy, wicked ways. Well, David would have had a very different life and been a very different king. So instead, David experiences a lot of rejection from his father-in-law and becomes the very opposite kind of a king as his father-in-law. So what is the point? The point is sometimes God is protecting us actually from buying into the folly that would happen if certain ones did accept us. We maybe not, don't discern kind of all that's wrong with them or that situation. And so God allows us to be rejected because he doesn't want us to become that thing. There's also just, the truth is, there's a fellowship of God's suffering. There is something about knowing Jesus and learning to know Jesus as we experience his, in, in, in little ways, his rejection or the rejection that he himself received. We begin to, as friends, you begin to share that and experience that. Some of your best friends are some of the folks that you've had experiences with. Like you went to the thing together or you went through that class together or you were part of, you know, that team together and, and that, that connected you and that made you friends. And Jesus says, I so want to be your friend that I need to, in, my, in minor ways, include you in what it's like to be me and what it was like for me to walk on planet earth. And so he does that. Now, what we're going to find is if we will focus on the privilege and the honor of knowing Jesus Christ, and what it means to actually be his and all the incredible advantages that he's given us. He will help us. I believe this, this is true. He's going to flip this thing a little bit and we're going to see the honor that comes with being rejected. And we're going to be able to leverage it so that other people, just like we benefited from Jesus's rejection. Can you, can, can you imagine this? Some people might even be benefited from our rejection. Everybody's got to go through it. So let's just find out how to leverage it. And we talked about a few weeks ago, we're in this Strangers Here series, the Apostle Peter. He's like, hey man, there's, there's strangeness that everybody knows because we all have differences. And then there's, you know, we called it tier two. There's level two strangeness where, um, you know, sin has kind of estranged us. And so no one can ever truly share your joy entirely. No one can ever truly share the depths of your sorrow. We try and we get close, but no one can really know it. But then there's the strangeness there's the differentness of becoming a disciple of Jesus Christ. And then there's all kinds of like value adjustments that start to happen because the Holy Spirit of God, he's a very strange person. He begins to make us stranger and stranger with regard to the value of this world. And so he's writing to these people. He's like, hey man, people around you are noticing that you're strange and they're mistreating you because of it. They don't trust you. They're rejecting you. And Peter says, let me give you some advice. First, let's focus on what you have in Christ. We're gonna pick it up at 1 Peter 2, verse 4. As you come to him, the living stone, this is Jesus. He's the living stone. He's going he's gonna to get some, some strange sounding motifs here for us real quick. And then we're going to pull them apart. Rejected by humans, but chosen by God and precious to him. Can you imagine the idea that you can be actually being rejected by people? And yet God says, oh, that's just proof of the fact that I chose them. That's proof of how precious I see them because they're being rejected. You also, 
like living stones. You got the big stone and the little stone, living stones. And they're being built into a spiritual house to be a holy priesthood, offering spiritual sacrifices acceptable to God through Jesus Christ, only acceptable to God through Jesus Christ. That's the only reason any of our stuff, any of our service is acceptable to God is because Jesus Christ cleanses it with his blood. And then he goes on, he quotes some scripture and he says, see, this was always in the scripture. It was always in the scripture. God was always telling us, even hundreds of years before, God was always telling us, yeah, see, you're not gonna understand this, but the very thing I chose is gonna be rejected by people. And that's the pattern that I want you to pay attention to. For in scripture, it says, verse six, see, I lay a stone in Zion, a chosen and precious cornerstone. And the one who trusts in him will never be put to shame. So there's this cornerstone, right? Let's, let's picture what a cornerstone is. This is the first stone. It's the most important stone. It's the stone that is set in place that the entire rest of the building is built off of. And God warned everybody. He says, the thing that I'm building, the living temple, Jesus Christ is the cornerstone. But, 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 but people aren't going to recognize it. People are going to take a look at it like that. That's not it. That's exactly the opposite of everything that we expected. And so he, he tells them, I had already been, God had already been telling you about this. Verse seven. Now here's, here's the tricky part. Now to you who believe the stone is precious, but if those who don't believe the stone, the builders rejected has become the cornerstone. They rejected it, but it's still the cornerstone. Verse eight. And a stone that causes people to stumble and a rock that makes them fall. They stumble because they disobey the message, which is also what they were destined for. He's not saying they were destined to just be lost. He's saying anybody who looks at this cornerstone and stumbles over it, there's only one place that goes because there's only, there's only two options here. This stone, God says, Everybody in all of history, I place a stone there. And either you're going to look at that stone and be like, thank God, that's the stone. That's the living stone. That is the one that though the builders rejected, I accept it. That's the beauty, the message of Jesus. Or you're going to stumble over it and say, that's foolishness to me. I don't need none of that. And let's just clarify what the message is. Because what the message is, God is saying, you've entirely, entirely betrayed me. And I'm willing to entirely forgive you. Now for religious people that really have a lot of pride in their religion, that's offensive. Cause like, but I'm really good. And Jesus is, as the stone is saying, you're not that good. You're not, you're not that good. Even if you're a little good by human standards, you're still bad enough that you need me to save you. And that's the message. I'll entirely forgive it. So let's just get this a little bit emotional for a minute. Let's say, you're married, your spouse has cheated on you. And you come to them and you say, if you'll just admit it, I'll entirely erase it. I'll just forget about it. It's worse than that, but that's what God is saying to you and me. See, he's not just our spouse. He's our creator, God. We owe him all allegiance. And he's saying, if you'll just admit it, that you've had allegiances to other things other than me, if you'll just admit it that in places, not in all places, but in some places, you've loved that which I called evil. If you'll just admit it, I will just completely forgive you. That is more scandalous than a spouse just saying, if you'll just tell me, I'll just forgive you. But God is still saying, but you have to admit it. You have to admit it that your allegiance was to the wrong thing. And that's the message. That's the message that Peter is referencing here. Verse nine, but you, you who recognized the cornerstone, you are a chosen people, a royal priesthood, a holy nation, God's special possession. 
that you may declare. He says, this is what you are. This is what believing in that stone did for you. And this is what, what your task is on account of that, that you may declare the praises of him who called you out of darkness and into his wonderful light. Once you were not a people, but now you're the people of God. Once you had not received mercy, but now you have received mercy. And then he goes on, because of all that, dear friends, I urge you as foreigner, as foreigners and exiles, as strangers here, as people that your citizenship actually isn't here anymore. It's now in heaven. And this place will seem strange to you and you will seem strange to this place to abstain from sinful desires, which wage war against the soul, live such good lives among the pagans or just anybody that doesn't know Christ that though they accuse you of doing wrong, they may see your good deeds and glorify God on the day he visits us to make the most of rejection for the best rejection. Number one, recognize the Jesus pattern, recognize the Jesus pattern. See when, when I'm being rejected, I need to immediately pay attention and say, I feel like I've seen this before. Where did I see this? Oh yeah. in the life of Jesus, that's where I saw this. Jesus came to those who were his own, but was rejected by them. I'm just replaying the gospel in my own life when I'm rejected on account of Christ. You are just replaying the God. When you're rejected, recognize the pattern. As you've come to him, verse four said, the living stone rejected by humans, but chosen by God. And this is what's so hard to like remember in that moment. People rejecting me is not the same thing as God rejecting me. And sometimes it's only proof of my preciousness to God that I'm being rejected. Now, Jesus wasn't recognized. You do recognize him, but others still don't. You recognize him, but others still don't. It can feel when we're being rejected, almost like we're being held back. And we've got to understand, we got to remember, like someone's, like someone's keeping you from something and God is actually applauding and saying, no, this is exactly what I want because I want your friendship. I want you to feel like you and I are growing and understanding mutual things, but I also want you to participate in something that is so beautiful and so awesome. And it is this, God uses rejection to save the world. Let me say that again, because it's deeper than the amens I got. I think you people on TV, you're amen and really loud in your apartment or wherever you are. These people, there's a lag between when you hear it and when they hear it. And so they didn't get to the amens yet, but God uses rejection to save the world. God used a rejection to save the world. God uses the rejection. Can you imagine a scenario where God uses the rejection you are experiencing somehow to conform you to the image of Christ, to help others see the way that you still go ahead and honor God. And it testifies them to one day they will glorify God because of the way you did it. Don't, don't, don't let your rejection fool you into thinking that you are necessarily doing something wrong. It might be your doing right that is the thing that got you rejected because you're a stranger here. But you're only a stranger here. There, maybe they know your name. Verse 9 said, but you are a chosen people. But you are a chosen people. You are a chosen people. See, God says, it's true. There's going to be people here in this land that dishonor you, but I'm actually demonstrating how much I've honored you because 
I have given you an alert. I've given you an awareness of your need for me. Since others don't always recognize, didn't always recognize him, they will not always recognize you. So, so let's see the pattern again here. Verse five said, we had, we had the living stone in verse four, which was Jesus rejected by humans, not chosen, but chosen by God and precious to him. Verse five said, you also like living stones are being sp- built into a spiritual house. Let's, let's take these apart a little bit. Got the cornerstone, okay? But the Bible said, this is a living stone though. It ain't like the, the Old Testament temple. That's just like a, a, a stone. He says, this one's alive. And what happens is God says, I'm not just building a physical temple for people to go see. I'm building a living temple for people to see God through you. Y'all the temple, y'all the temple. And when you touch the alive cornerstone, you become alive. And then you start to touch other people and they start to become alive and you're being built into this living temple, but you're not only the temple and it's an awesome temple because it's not a temple of law. It's not a temple of rules. Jesus fulfilled the law. He already obeyed the law entirely for you. So you get his entire record. Now you don't have to have a life of religion. You need to have a life of relationship, staying connected to Jesus. So that his life can flow through you to others. And now you're a living stones becoming a living temple. And he says, you're also in some sense, you're priests. And what do priests get? The priests of the Old Testament temple, what do they get? Oh baby, they get access. They get the access that other people don't get. They get access to God. And what do you get? You get access to God. You get to be temporarily for now a go-between. While you're a stranger here, you get to be somebody in the middle. Here's God over here. Here's other people over here. And you're this priest in the middle saying, let me see if I can pull you together. Let me see if I can get you close to God. You're a priest. You get access and you get to talk to God about others and talk to others about God and say, let me see if if I can if I can create a meeting here, if I can create a meeting between these two. Now see, and the the message isn't about this. We can, there's a place for getting healed from our rejection. And that's a real thing. We need to get healed from our rejection. I've done other messages about that recently. So we're just going to talk today about not just getting healed. That's, that's good, but leveraging. Okay. So I'm being rejected that That sounds like the pattern. That's what happened to the cornerstone. That's what happens to his living stones. That's what happens to his priests who have been built into this spiritual house. And he goes on, he says, and here's why. See, God's purpose, mm, 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 mm. are y'all getting it? Are y'all getting it today? God's purpose is not that you're not rejected. God's purpose is not that you're not rejected. It's that while you're being rejected for his sake, you can manifest his personality and his glory. You can show people what God is like while God is being rejected. Hello, somebody. Are we hearing this? Daggum, thank God for his word. Is his word good? You can't get this somewhere else other than the Bible. I'm just telling you. It's so good. Netflix ain't got nothing like this. That you may declare the prayer. Why, 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 why all the stones? Why the living temple? Why all the things? That you may declare the praises of him who called you out of darkness and into his wonderful light. He says, my purpose was that you would point to me. And by doing that, demonstrate you're really mine. You embrace rejection and show forth his character while you're being rejected. Because everybody will be rejected. Everybody's going to be rejected. That ain't hard. It ain't hard to be rejected. It's hard to manifest the sweet personality of Jesus while you're being rejected. That's hard. 
And God says, that's where the proof is. That's how everybody will know to declare the praises. So at least, at least in, in, in one portion of it, there's a declaration. There's a, you're saying something. The declaration says, I'm declaring the praises of God, which, which means at the very least, I recognize that it's God that's allowing me to do this. See, see I, it's not that I'm awesome. It's not that I'm super religious. I'm kind of a bumbling idiot that God in his loving mercy saved. And he called me into his marvelous light. He filled me with his Holy Spirit. He's allowing me to demonstrate his character to my work friends, to the basketball team, to my spouse, to my siblings, kids. He's allowing me to do all this, but it's all him. I'm I'm declaring his praise. It's him doing it, not me. He's the reason. This is why, okay, so I'm going to meddle for a minute. Meddling means I'm going to get in your business with love. That's what it means. It means I'm going to get in your business. Okay. So next time you need to have a talk with one of your kids or your spouse, you can say, I'm going to meddle for a minute, but it's because I love you. Anytime that we're having overly complainy conversations about political topics, my friends, I mean this with love and respect. We are not declaring the praises of him who called us out of darkness and into his wonderful light. Why? Because if he really called you out of darkness and into his wonderful light, what that means is you have revelation that God is in charge. God is in charge. Okay. Like, yeah. So so I don't need to complain about who, so, and whatever, and and all that stuff. It's not that I can't care about it. It's not that I can't pray about it. But when, when, when people find me ranting, I'm like, where is your home, son? Are you a stranger here? Are you a stranger there? Because someone who's a stranger here knows, you know, I'm going to be dead soon anyway. Like, I'm, you know, I'm just going to try to do my time here and pray for the government officials like I should. But this ain't my home. And there's actually someone higher than all this stuff. That would be someone declaring the praises of someone who called them out of darkness and into his glorious light. I like the amens. I'm getting over here. Okay. This is pretty good so far. Y'all, you got time left. You can work up to it. Okay. So just... (laughs) Just keep coming. This is where you say, God's been so good to me. God's been so good to me that even when I'm being rejected, I can just remind myself and remind others, yeah, but God uses rejection to save. God used rejection to conform me and to save others. Dear friends, I urge you as foreigners and exiles to abstain from sinful desires which wage war against your soul. Live such good lives among the pagans that though they accuse you of doing wrong, they may see your good deeds and glorify God on the day he visits us or the day that means Jesus is coming back someday or you're going to see him someday. Either way, the day you meet him is soon. Number two, fight for the Jesus prize. Fight for the Jesus prize. And I got to tell you, the Jesus prize is people. It's people. It's people. Why was Jesus rejected? You and me, people. He embraced rejection for the people. The people are the prize. Why should I endure this rejection? For the people, for Jesus's prize, the people. That's what he's after. That's what he wants. See, when we're rejected, we're starting to think, I can't wait till my enemies get theirs. I can't wait till they see it. I can't wait till they finally recognize, hey man, they might recognize, I don't know, but our hearts need to keep directing themselves toward, but the prize is the people. I don't win if they get theirs. I win if they glorify God. I win if they recognize their own need for Jesus. 
See, this is, this is the dope thing about Jesus, man. Jesus isn't trying to beat his enemies. He's trying to win them. Hello. No one else is doing that. Here on earth, for the non-strangers, the goal is to beat your enemies. Jesus, I'm trying to win my enemies. I'm trying to get my enemies to fall in love with me. That's what Jesus is trying to do. And that's what we need to remember is the point. <clears throat> and here's maybe the thing that we want to wish for, just dare to wish for and believe. What if my rejection could be used long-term to cause other people to be like, I've been watching you. I've been watching you a long time. And I'm looking for an alibi of why I shouldn't believe in Christ, but you keep taking away my alibi. Because you keep acting like you've been transformed by something I can't see or touch, but I can see it in you. I can sense something different about the way you're living as a stranger here, which wage war against your soul. Abstain from, from these sinful desires that wage war against your soul. Wage war is big. The, the fact that Peter chooses to use the idea of wage war, waging war is not a match. It's not like, let's see who gets the three first and then we'll call it. War is, I'm here to kill you. I'm here to remove you. I'm here to, at the very least, take away your agency so you have to serve me. And Peter's saying, there are spiritual forces of darkness that are trying to take away your power, but they're not just trying to like, you know, get more points than you. They're trying to take you out. They're trying to disqualify you. They're trying to make you essentially useless or maybe even helpful to them. See, the enemy's trying to win his enemies too, to his side. Now he puts them in cages and locks them up and torments them but he's still trying to win all of us still. So, so, if, so if you're in a war, there's a couple ways that you can try to beat folks. You can round up all your enemies and just put them in cages. That's a version that our spiritual foe does with us. He tries to get us afraid. Let me just lock them up in fear. Make them so afraid of rejection that they never do anything ever again. Make it so that when someone rejects them, they hear the voice, see, what are you doing? This is the only way it's ever gonna go. Why don't you sit down? You need to quit trying. Don't keep going that direction. Just shut up and get used to this. That's what our spiritual enemy says with fear. Now that's a version. That's a way that he can do it. But another way he can do it is to try to make us more like him. So that we're kind of a contradiction. We're supposed to be a stranger here, but we're also very at home here. So when he says abstain from sinful desires, another way to say that would be abstain from <clears throat> Desires that deplete your power. So let me see how to say this so I don't freak everybody out. <clears throat> Sometimes, whether you believe it or not, in the Bible, God gives people pictures or images. It's kind of like a daydream, only he shows you things that mean something spiritually. Now, you never know because it's not scripture. Is that God or is it not God? You never know with visions. But I had a vision one day. And it was about giving in to sin. God was trying to teach me a lesson. Here's what happens when you give in to some of these sinful desires. Now, I'm a guy. Most guys know what this is like. Ladies, I'm sorry to alert you if, this is, if you didn't know this. Most guys struggle with lust. Like, it's a thing. It's a thing. No matter what we do, we're going to fight it all of our days. It can get weaker or it can get stronger. Especially in our day and age, it's a constant battle, okay? So it's always a thing. And I feel like the Lord showed me this picture of <clears throat> this demony creature, this evil, dark angel person, take a young man 
and take his head and dip it into this green slime, like a big bowl, imagine like a big punch bowl. And this demon just takes his head and puts it in slime. But instead of drowning him, he's trying to get the guy to breathe it, to breathe in the slime. And the slime is lust and selfishness and desire to rule others. And I'm thinking, wow, that that guy's gonna drown. And yet he didn't drown. In fact, the demon let him up after a little while, but the guy had changed. He wasn't entirely demonic looking, but he was a little more scaly. He was a little, little bit more demonic looking. And I felt like the Lord was showing me through that picture, if it was the Lord, he was showing me, see, the enemy's trying to get you to become like the enemy. He wants you to not only indulge in lust, he wants you to be a purveyor of lust. He wants you on his team. He wants you to be promoting this thing throughout the earth. That's why addictions are so powerful because the enemy comes along and he says, let me just get you hooked on this thing and I'll get you so hooked, you'll be a little bit like me and you'll wanna take it everywhere. And the only thing that can get rid of that is abstaining, don't, don't breathe that crap. Don't breathe it and then pray the Lord would suck out all the lizard, all the scales, all the stuff that had already gotten in us. And the truth is my friend, it's not, it's not just men. Everybody needs this all the time. There's things the enemy's trying to suck you into and say, breathe this. What he's not telling you is it's changing you into something other than what you are so that you're at least in that sense on his team. And when you're on his team, you lose his power. You lose God's power. You lose the ability to be the stranger that you're supposed to be. Galatians 5, 19, the acts of the flesh are obvious, sexual immorality, impurity, debauchery, idolatry, witchcraft, hatred, discord, jealousy, fits of rage. Somebody say road rage. Yeah, you can drink that punch bowl too. Selfish ambition, dissensions, factions, factions, party spirit, political party spirit, factions. Our side says this, our side says this. Just don't drink that. You don't need to drink that. You don't need to drink that. You're a stranger here. This isn't where you're staying, all right? Pray for it. Do your best for it. Fight even for the right things, but don't be dissentious about it. Be good, strange. Be good, strange, that, you may see, that they may see your good deeds. They may see them. They may see them. See, opposition has a way of bringing out the best in us sometimes. Sometimes it's not till we're opposed that we have to fight. And so when we're opposed, if we just said, okay, I'm being rejected, but now I'm going to fight back with good. And some of those goods are further down there in Galatians 5. But the fruit of the spirit is this, love, joy, peace, forbearance, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, self-control. These are the things that convince people, wow, they're being rejected. But that's an awful lot like Jesus when I see that. Wow. They're acting very strange. See, God doesn't want us to just be strange. When I first all those years ago, when I was first became a Christian, part of my thinking was like, yeah, I, I just need to be like so close to God that I appear strange, like mystical or creepy almost. I promise that's not good strange, okay? That's not good strange. Good strange is you're loving when everyone wants to throw a fit. Good strange is you're patient when everyone else is losing their minds. Good strange is, wow, you're weirdly kind to those people who are being very aggressive in your direction and oppositional. That's good strange. Strangers here, they're good strange. They're Jesus strange. They're loving strange while they're being rejected so that they may glorify God in the day that he visits. Meaning 
Guys, at the end of the day, okay, real practical here. It just matters how we behave around folks. It just matters who you are, who, who, when no one is looking, what if it's crucial that who you are when no one's looking is really strange in a good way around here because God might use it in ways that he's not showing you right now because if he showed you, you just get arrogant about it. You just think it's because you're so awesome. So he, does, he just hides it from you. He doesn't even let you see how he's using your integrity in people's lives. What if your ability to go against the flow long-term carries so much weight that people can't help but say, daggum, I'm looking at them and I don't know, man, they just seem like the real deal. Maybe there is something to their God. I watched them for five years now. Maybe this thing is real. And what that means is when you get rejected, when you say, hey man, maybe you want to come to my church. Maybe you want to come to this midweek Bible study thing we call the Grove. Maybe you want to come. They're like, nah, nah, nah. You might be real tempted to be rejected. Like, oh, they just reject me. Just like everybody else. Instead of thinking, no, I got the integrity play still. I'm going to keep on keeping on. I'm not going to let the rejection hurt me. Instead, I'm going to recognize, actually God uses rejection to save the world. So maybe this is his plan right now. Maybe I don't need to be overly concerned with how I feel about this because God might use it. You say, Carter, what about the fact that it still hurts? Yeah, I hear that. There's a lot of good messages I could, I could, I could point you toward that are about healing some of the rejection. I think those are really important, but can I tell you, I think there's maybe even something else that's just as important at least. It's the ability to not be overly sensitive and move on not be overly insensitive and move on. Let's look at this final scripture and then we'll close. <clears throat> Here's what's happening. Paul is a prisoner. <clears throat> He's being transported back to Rome. There's a shipwreck. They go onto this island of Malta with all these natives and Paul's going to get bitten by a snake and he's going to get some judgment. Some people are going to have some opinions about that. Let's read about it. <clears throat> Paul gathered a pile of brushwood and as he put it on the fire, a viper driven out by the heat, fastened itself on his hand. Now the Islanders, you know, they're superstitious. They're like, oh, that's the gods trying to kill him. He must be really bad. When the Islanders saw the snake hanging from his hand, they said to each other, this man must be a murderer for though he escaped from the sea, the goddess justice has not allowed him to live. But Paul shook the snake off into the fire and suffered no ill effects and suffered no ill effects because he shook it off. The people expected him to swell up and suddenly fall dead. But after waiting a long time, seeing nothing unusual happen to him, they changed their minds and said he was a God. Now he's not a God. He doesn't want them to think he's a God. But the point is they had a, an opinion and maybe in their hearts, if you he could hear their thinking, you'd be like, man, we reject this guy. This guy's a murderer. They completely misjudge him. You ever had somebody misjudge you, label you, say, well, you know, here's what they are. And they may even say, to, say something about it to other people. And they make this big judgment call and you got this, what that is in many cases, that's your spiritual enemy, just a snake hanging on your arm. And what do we do? Sometimes we need to get healed, man. We need to say, oh, I need to, I need to like really evaluate this and see how this, you know, hurt me in my heart. And sometimes that's true. Oftentimes, my friends, I'm just going to tell you, a lot of the times you just eat that devil. You just shake it right off into the fire and you suffer no ill effects. That means you're quick to move on. You're just like, ah, okay, yeah, you reject me, sorry. I don't know what to tell you. I don't need you to accept me anyway. Maybe God doesn't want me to be addicted to your, you know, your acceptance. I'm not gonna be here very much longer. I got 100 years at most, and then I'm out. I don't need to be evaluating, oh my gosh, my poor little thing. And I'm not saying there's not places for that. I'm just saying with a lot of stuff, my friend, part of being a warrior, there's a discipline of a, overcoming cross-bearing conqueror. 
there's a discipline of just shaking it off. It's like, okay, I could think about this or I could just move on because there's actually work to do and I, I got to get after it. So I'm going to get after it. And here's, here's our model, Jesus Christ. Evil was overcome, not by getting even, not by meditating on its effects, but by grace, by love, by loving the very ones who rejected him. He won his, his enemies. What if the best rejection what if it's being rejected for Christ? Like, like, can we say that? Would it be worth it? I'll close with this question. Would it be worth it? If you knew for sure, if you trusted, yeah, I'm rejected right now, but I know for sure God's actually gonna use this in ways that I'll see someday. He's gonna use my rejection, my strangerhood here, my detachment from the need for the, the praises of men and women. If I knew for sure that he would use that to cause some of those and maybe many other people to ultimately, they'll never tell me about it, but they will glorify my God because of how they saw me live through rejection. If you could know that, would it be worth whatever rejection you're going through right now? Same. So let's just believe it instead. You can't know it, so let's just take it by faith. That's how it worked for Jesus. That's likely how it will work for us. God be praised. Let's praise him for his word and pray. God, we thank you for your word. We thank you for good instruction that only you ever could write. We pray for each one of us. God, we're so in need, just like we're saying, we are so in need of you. We need to be aware of our need for you and we need the strength and the power to know when we really need to bring you all that is hurting us. And other times when you say, yep, Lord, you saw it. I know you're, you're, you're keeping account of it. I'm just gonna shake it off into the fire. And God, we're asking, I'm asking for everybody that's hurting right now that's been rejected recently. Meet them in that. And Father, I'm praying in Jesus' name, use it to expand the gospel of the one who was rejected in Christ's name. Amen. Hey, thank you so much for joining us today. If you don't have a home church and you're looking for a Bible preaching community that has its heart set on passionately knowing Jesus and being his witness in our generation, check out Fierce.Church. We'd love for you to join us either digitally or in person. Also, if you're looking for leadership development related content, don't forget to check out the Fierce Leadership Podcast, available wherever you get your podcast from. Special thanks to those of you who give generously to support this ministry. It's because of you that this is possible. You can click on the link in the description to give now or visit fierce.church for more information. If you enjoyed this podcast, why not subscribe, share it with your friends, click on the share button, take a screenshot, and share it on social media or wherever you would share such things. Whatever challenges you're facing, I know you can make it. Don't give up. Hang on to Jesus. He won't let go of you. Jesus loves you so much, and we love you. I hope someday we get to meet in person. Thanks again for listening.